Hello, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, dozens of all ages. This is another edition of One Day Closer to Dead. I am Dave Beaudry. And I am Jason Bailey. And Mr. Vanilla Godzilla. How you doing? I'm doing pretty good, buddy. I'm doing pretty good. Um, I actually went down to the pool today. It's been a year and a fucking half. It's been amazing. Uh-huh. I finally got down there, and uh, James and I played in the pool, got some sun. There are parts of my body that got sun that has not seen the sun, and I'm talking probably two years, two full years. So my pale white ass has gotten, you know, some some UV rays and feeling pretty good, buddy. That that natural I don't, I don't vitamin D. I don't know if you're allowed to skinny dip in the in the public pool, Jason. Listen, it was fine. I do have something I want to say about this, though. Not to get all racy on on all y'all. Of course, of course you do. But here's the deal. In the time that I have not been going down to the pool, you know, which is one of the reasons I have the luxury apartment that I do, you know, who's counting, but the nicest part of Lexington. And let me tell you something. Uh, women's bathing suits, girls' bathing suits have really um, turned into less material than it's ever been. I'm seeing women wear stuff down to this pool that you used to have to go to a seedy part of town and throw ones at them. And uh, you're just getting a full show now. Their ass is out. Tits are out. The whole thing. And it's like stuff they bought at Target. It's not even anything like, you know, it's ridiculous. And there seems to be no concern at all. This just seems to be standard fare. Dave, I don't know where women's swimwear is going, but I sure as fuck like where it's going. And well, I'm the just, interest- it's, um, it's unbelievable. It's just, I, I can't believe uh, you, you just get to see it all now for, for free. Well, the interesting thing for those of you listening who don't know is that Jason lives in a retirement community. <laughs> you know what? It is called the retreat for a reason. I certainly did retreat, okay? Uh, but I'll tell you something. It's uh, having James as your child is uh, th- that ultimate uh, babe magnet. Uh, oh, he's such a cute blah, blah, blah. Yeah, you like me? There's my dad over there. Uh, it, it's pretty amazing, but uh, I can tell you that it was a fun day at the pool, just getting some sun. It's one of those post-cotton candy moments where you're like, oh my God, thank Batman. This bullshit is coming to an end where I can breathe the air, get some sunshine in my life. I want to literally have... This beautiful deep tan I used to have when I was a kid, that's not happening. I'm just getting skin cancer. But just to be out there in the pool with your, your kid and just playing and throwing him around Rock, and stuff, it was so, it rocking, was so fucking nice. Rocking your banana hammock. I don't, you know what? I'm not going to say anything, but I got no problem with that at all. I don't even care. If, if, if that gets me out in the sun and I get some vitamin D, you know, in my ass, that's just fine. I, I don't care at all. But I, we did have a good time. It was fantastic. So how about you? Are you enjoying the uh, L.A.'s out of lockdown and you're able to do a bunch of shit uh, yet? It's been over 100 degrees. I have not wanted to leave the house. Uh, the air conditioning has pretty much been a constant presence. Uh, and I've had migraines. So yeah, Jason, it's a it's a fucking party and a half over here. Jesus Christ! It sounds like you know a Rambo fucking hot box uh, prison chamber over there in L.A. I I believe me, I was in that situation too. Then I got smart and left L.A. But uh, I also want to tell you something else, listeners well, to, out there. To cool to cool my place down earlier, I just set it on fire. <laughs> I want to tell you guys something else out there. 
Oh, you wonderful dozens and dozens. Most of you apparently are Parisians. Thank you very much for listening to us, Paris. Uh, you have literally knocked it out of the fucking ballpark now. I don't even know if any other city listens to us, Dave. Maybe oh, L.A. Or, no, they're, they fucking went down. The, uh, they're down the ladder. But uh, we are a bona fide hit in Paris. And I'm putting this out there uh, for, for another time. If you could please... If you listen to us in Paris, just shoot us an email and let us know why the fuck you're listening to us, because we're glad that you are. We just don't know why we're such a goddamn hit in your city, why we become the Jerry Lewis of fucking podcasts. I have no idea, but thank you very much, Paris again, and Wichita and Kansas City and uh, Cincinnati loves us. LA's up there, fifth, sixth city, something like that. But thank you very much, Paris, for being our number one a city for listenership and uh, we really appreciate you out there. Thank you very much. I will laugh my ass off if it ends up being because of a bunch of VPNs. I could be. And you know what else is funny? It might just be, maybe we just have an ardent wrestling community out there that skips all the, you know, social crusading we do at the beginning and just gets right to the fucking heart of the matter of the best wrestling podcast of all time. I don't know what it is, dude, but uh, thank you for listening. No, I, I think if that were the case, you would have gotten a deluge, a deluge, I say, of hate mail that one week you mistook Renee Paquette <laughs> and Renee Dupree. Well, you're right. Uh, if if that, that would have, that would have been your ass had that been, had that truly been, um, the French or the French Canadian wrestling fans that were forming the basis of that audience. Uh, I, I think uh, they would have come for your head, Mr. Bailey. They might have, but you know, hey, mistakes happen. I mean, Dave's walking around as one huge mistake. So thank you very much, Paris. We, we really appreciate you. And I'm sorry that you're burning in hell out there, Dave. Uh, but that's what's going on over here. What do we got? Uh, what do we got ready to go here for the show? Well, uh, if we're talking about mistakes, Let's start talking about cotton candy again, huh, Jason? That sounds great. Why don't we get because, right into the cotton candy? I'm going to the fair tomorrow, by the way. I just want to throw that out there. Are you going to rock the banana hammock? At the fair? No, I'm going to be with James. I can't do it. Well, I might wear the lucha mask I have. Maybe a banana hammock and a lucha mask and call myself Banana Man. Sounds good. The world is a dumpster fire, Jason. Did you know that? I certainly did. And did you know why? Because it truly fucking is. So correct me if I'm wrong. <clears throat> You're wrong. Uh, the shut up. The dozens uh, have, or many, at least many of them, have been uh, requesting that we discuss how cotton candy was created. Is it? Am, am I correct? Just in that general statement, and then I will continue. You are actually yes. Okay. Uh, I I always am, but I just wanted to hear you say the words. Okay. So I've done extensive research on this, okay? So this is where we're going to start our, our first segment, is discussing where cotton candy actually came from. And according to what I am looking at currently online, mm -hmm. it says, and I quote, okay. the candy is made by heating and liquefying sugar, spinning it centrifugally through minute holes or minute holes. I'm not quite sure how that's pronounced by which the sugar rapidly cools and re-solidifies into fine strands. It is often sold at fairs, circuses, carnivals, and festivals served in a plastic bag or on a stick or paper cone. So, uh, there you have it. Dozens, Jason, uh, we ready to move on. 
I think we're ready to move on. I mean, that that pretty much covered it. Everyone wanted to know what the origin of cotton candy was. I don't know if that gives, you know, you didn't really go into the history. You talked about how it was made, but we can do that in a, in a uh, upcoming episode. No fucking problem. Well, I'll tell you what's funny is uh, in in Googling that particular uh, that particular information, you know how Google likes to give you like uh, similar questions or people who asked this also asked, you know, what have you. One of the one of the questions that came up is why is cotton candy bad for you? <laughs> <laughs> because it can lead to respiratory failure and you can die. And diabetes, depending on which type of cotton candy we're talking about. So, all right. So, uh, cotton candy has long been our code name for for the coronavirus. Uh, and there have been questions raised, Jason, raised, I say, about where the virus actually originated. Now, for the longest time, we as a society had been told that all scientific evidence had suggested that the virus came from a bat-to-person transmission from a wet market in Wuhan, China. Now, it was always a little strange that, by strange coincidence, there also happened to be a virology lab in Wuhan, China, uh, who just may have been studying coronaviruses. That's a strange coincidence. However, uh, in recent weeks, those those uh, questions have really become full-throated uh, concerns. So we kind of wanted to talk about how that, not only how that information, but how that debate has evolved and devolved in both both directions, and kind of what our own what our own thoughts were on it. So that's what we're going to start talking about. Jason, uh, why don't you start with your impression of the whole thing? All right. So last year when, you know, we were in the throes of cotton candy, uh, really destroying people's lives and, and everyone dying from it. And Donald Trump being our president, unfucking fortunately, um, he labeled it as the, you know, Kung flu, the Chinese virus, virus, the virus from China whatever the fuck he was saying, but there were, there certainly was a lot of blame, uh, and finger pointing towards China itself as you're the reason this virus fucking happened. And there you go. Um, it's also probably the nucleus of the Asian hate that we're seeing today that there's so much, um, animosity and racism that's turned violent against the Asian community here in the United States of America, which we've covered really in depthly about how shitty that fucking issue is. And that's a complete dumpster fire. Um, yeah. so th this is uh, something that's very interesting. We started getting probably uh, two, three weeks ago, maybe even a month ago, we started getting some requests to speak about this. Uh, about, uh, But, in sorry, Jason, but in fairness, because it was to the Excite email, we probably just received them now. That's exactly. Or you, maybe you were talking, maybe you guys <laughs> emailed us six months ago and we finally just got it through, you know, courier pigeon. But uh, at any rate, we started to get asked a lot of questions about not only where, where do you, where do the boys here at One Day Close to Dead think that the cotton candy virus originated from, or how do you think it originated? And um, how do you feel the conversation has changed since Donald Trump is no longer our president? Which honestly, for me, that's even more interesting. 
because yes, we do need to find the origin of this virus. Uh, we absolutely should of any virus that creates a fucking pandemic and takes out so much of the human population uh, as so as to, we can learn and possibly, you know, combat this in the future. Um, that is very, very, very fucking important. Yes, it is. But what I really thought just the cerebral part of me that is rarely used thought, uh, how interesting is it that the dozens are actually thinking it's, it's different the way we're talking about it now, isn't it? That Donald Trump's not our president. And I started to understand very clearly what they meant is that during the Donald Trump presidency, when he was saying all these Kung flu and, and, and Chinese virus and all of this, there seemed to be a political, well, there was a political divide with how in which we talked about the origin of this, because we did not, mm -hmm. I think that the liberal community was so against Donald Trump that they didn't want anything that seemed to assign blame to China, the Chinese government, the Chinese people. I don't know. But they didn't want that because they saw the rise in Asian hatred here in the United States of America. So they, they didn't want Trump to be right about anything. I think that's absolutely correct. You're right, Dave. And on the uh, more uh, MAGA zombie uh, shithead front, there was very much a blame the goddamn Chinese for this. They had created a lab. Shit, they, not only was there negligence, maybe they did it on purpose. I mean, it was full on... This came from that fucking lab. There's too much. Where there's smoke, there's fucking fire. This is how this happened with, with COVID-19. And so that, just the origins of the coronavirus itself, the, the investigation of the origin, believe it or fucking believe it, became politicized. So, well, I mean, everything involving the virus has been politicized from day one, really, because of the nature of of anything um, associated with Trump or his presidency or his politics, you're going to, unfortunately, I'm not saying I agree that this should be the case, but you're going to have that firmly delineated line and, and which side of that line do you fall on. And especially given the incredibly inept handling of the pandemic from that administration, um, it, it took away any credibility to a degree. And then also the Trump administration was very much the, the boys that cried wolf because they made shit up so much about so much that people would also therefore take anything that they said out of hand. It's just straight up bullshit. And to be clear, I don't think Trump was actually acting in any kind of good faith when he was assigning blame to China for the virus. I don't think he was basing it off of any actual evidence or like, we're going to talk about a term and Jason, you and I don't discuss these things before we go on the air. So I don't know what you have or haven't read. And you know, we, it's the fun of it is, is, you know, making these discoveries with the dozens as we talk about it. There is a, a phrase that we are going to talk about quite a bit in a moment because it very much pertains to what's going on here called gain-of-function research. Jason, I don't know how familiar you are or are not with that term, that uh, if it did come from the Wuhan lab, uh, which in the very least is, is, a, is within the reasonable realm of possibility, if not looking extremely likely at this point, uh, which we'll talk more about momentarily as well. Gain-of-function research plays a very important role as to why that is. I don't think even now Trump could even tell you what that phrase means. I don't think he had any knowledge about 
you know, outside of what was just being reported in the right-wing media. Like, when Trump blamed China, it was just because China was there to blame and he wanted anyone to take the blame but himself. So I don't think Trump was being truthful when he was making statements saying it came from a lab. I think he was just being his conspiracy theorist self. But it just so happened that in this case, the broken clock might have been right once or twice a day. That's absolutely correct. You know, you couldn't have said it any better, Dave. It's one of those things where... Uh, you're right about Donald Trump and you're right about the assigning of blame. And I mean, he would have, he would have fucking assigned the blame to aliens, fucking bizarro autumn leaves, anything that came his Obama. way, Obama, <laughs> anything that came his way, he would have. But the issue is, and what I find fascinating is now that Donald Trump has been, you know, at least defeated now it, it, for the white house. And, you know, we've got Biden in the presidency and a little more traction uh, in, in politics here, the liberal side. Um, now the liberal media, which is most of the media, uh, is now reporting things that the conservative media was sure as shit reporting six, seven, eight months ago. And where they're saying, well, talking to some medical expert, uh, you know, virology peoples out there, they're thinking, this might yeah kind of sort of maybe came from the lab and this was definitely not the tone that most media was taking during the trump years so what the dozens are basically asking for is what we think about this uh in this new age is the liberal media finally reporting the facts because they no longer have to go against donald trump as the president now i you know just want to start real quick dave was saying that yeah, that's exactly what I fucking think is going on. I th because I remember last year watching Donald Trump say all this stupid, crazy shit, but it disregarded anything he said. I didn't, fuck you. But I would listen to some scientific analysis of what this lab in Wuhan did, okay? And it was so fucking specific to what we were combating all over the fucking planet. I'm like, well, hold on. Let's just, let's not throw the baby out with the bathwater here. Let's, let's really look at this uh, without any politics uh, trying to get involved in my brain and just look at the facts as just the facts, ma'am. And I was, believe me, already at that time going, this fucking thing came from this lab. This is this fucking thing came from this fucking lab. And as as I start researching it more and more, I was like, it's there are things that the fucking conservative news outlets are saying with such, you know, fire and brimstone and their 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 crazy rhetoric. But at the same time, I was going, well, as shitty as they are and as crazy science fiction as they've become, there are nuggets of truth in what they are saying. There so, was also one very big change in the narrative, not necessarily in the narrative, in the information available. It, I believe, is fairly recent. It's within the last couple of weeks. I don't know through which outlet the, the emails got leaked, but there were those emails uh, and cor email correspondence that Dr. Fauci had had with other people in the health community, including the head of the World Health Organization, who also had involvement in we'll come back to it, gain-of-function research. Um, and those emails have become public within the last few weeks, I believe. Again, I'm not sure exactly when they surfaced. But I do think that I, I agree with you that 
the media was more willing to change its tone with Trump not in office and, and not on Twitter anymore. But I also think it's not just as simple as that. There also was these emails that also shed a lot of light and motivation and raise a lot of <clears throat> questions. Whereas before, meaning like maybe six, seven, eight months ago, it was a lot more speculative as far as who the various players were and what their motivations might have been. Yeah. Well, that may be. Um, but I mean, when you got at this point, <laughs> you got uh, Sanjay Gupta, who, you know, is definitely CNN's in-house medical every motherfucking thing, uh, who's finally coming out going, well, yeah, there's some credible evidence here that this uh, came from this lab here. And you never would have heard this motherfucker say this on CNN or anywhere else ever while oh, Donald Trump was fucking impressive. And by the way, just a sidebar, fuck you, CNN. And that's how I feel about CNN as much as goddamn Fox News. They're just the other yeah. end of the pendulum swing. But it's just, it's hysterical to me because no matter what the truth is or even what you believe, dozens, okay, you are absolutely right, those that requested to for us to speak about this, that so much of our information and now even scientific fucking explanations to things we're trying to get to the bottom of were absolutely politicized 100 fucking percent. And just now we have the, you know, the media that is supposed to give us our fucking facts here. Uh, finally start to go, well, maybe we should kind of listen to this. And this is something worth noting when we, for some reason, I keep information for some reason, I keep picturing you. I think it's because of the, the, uh, pattern with which you're speaking when impersonating the, the media. But for some reason, I keep picturing you as Randy Savage doing that. Well, let me see. Maybe through the video scope, we just look at how the monkeys got infected. Yeah. I don't I know. would fucking watch CNN every goddamn oh day if that was God, what their if, programming If that's was. what was going on, you know, Miss Elizabeth kind of introducing Sanjay Gupta, it looks like some crazy batshit happened <laughs> in that Wuhan lab. Yes, it did. Um, I, it's just one of those things where I absolutely, it, it disgusts me because on the other end of the spectrum, as much as I hate Donald Trump and I hate Fox News and fuck you MAGA zombies, uh, it, it really pisses me off too when you got the liberal crusaders out there who absolutely just refuse to look into anything until, well, we don't have to go against the big bad orange fuck anymore. So I guess now we can start reporting this shit. When I'm well, telling you, halfway through last year, Myself and a lot of these, you know, behind the scenes people were already starting to think like, well, I mean, I don't want to side with these fuckers, but yeah, I mean, let's just call it what it is. It There is a high probability something went fucking sideways in this lab in Wuhan. There just well, we need fucking to, is. We need to also back up for those that don't have the context um, as far as is kind of what has got us to this point. And also to your point also about the problem, the problematic nature of the media covers. This is also where Fauci has been problematic as well, because there has been some real conflicts of interest as far as what he has been saying, when he has been saying it and why he has been saying it that have not solely been in the interest of science at all times. It does not appear. So that is also part of the problem as well, uh, which also very strongly affected the, the media narrative is um, to, to back up, Jason, are you familiar with the expression gain of function research? No. 
Okay. Gain of function research is a stud is basically, you know, and it can be defined in a couple different ways. And right now they're trying to really like parse hairs on what it means and what it doesn't mean because they're, you know, trying to get into the semantics instead of actually deal with actual accountability. But in general, and remember, I'm not a scientist, in general, gain of function research is when you take a virus that is not capable at this time of infecting human beings and you start making it more virulent and you start experimenting with how it could become contagious with the idea being that in doing so, you could then possibly become prepared or have an advance notice or have an idea of how to respond in the event that one day out in nature, it naturally becomes uh, human contaminatory or you know starts infecting people, essentially. The problem is, if you are experimenting with gain-of-function research, you are taking these viruses that currently are not capable of infecting human beings and purposely trying to make them so that they can. And obviously, there's a weaponization concern there, certainly. But also, just taken at face value, that if you're say say you have no military hopes or app, you know say you have the purest of intentions for this and it's solely to help you prepare for a future pandemic okay what happens if the fucking thing gets out and that appears to be what likely happened now what i've said from the beginning i had always said like i'm just going to kind of trust the the viral experts and who've studied it and know more about this shit than, than I do. And that's, that's still my, my stance. However, um, the, the problem is Fauci, uh, was responsible for directing money to the Wuhan laboratory for the purpose of gain of function research. So therefore he had a personal stake in preventing that knowledge from getting out, so now they're trying to parse hairs and definition. Well, it's not really gain of function. Gain of function is only if you do it this way, and we weren't doing that. Look, speaking again very generally, the Obama administration put a ban on gain of function research or federal funding thereof. Fauci reversed that. I don't know what authority he had, or you know, it was. Fauci was responsible for sending money, I believe indirectly, to the Wuhan laboratory for the purpose of gain-of-function research. Whether Trump's administration had something to do with reversing that ban or whatever, I'm not clear on those details. I don't want to get into those weeds when I don't know what I'm talking about in that regard. But um, the head of the World Health Organization, or um, the WHO, whose uh, whose name I'm blanking because I'm shit on names, uh he also had a, a, a hand in this. And then they did absolutely, absolutely no fucking real investigation of the Wuhan lab and basically took the lab in China's word for it um, about what they did and didn't do. For the longest time, they were trying to say they were didn't never even had bats in the Wuhan laboratory. And um, an Australian news outlet posted video that I believe has been verified within the last two weeks, maybe showing that bats were an extensive part of what was going on at that laboratory. So everything that we have been told in regards to the origins of the virus have been disingenuous from the very beginning. Now, I do think the media absolutely bears a lot of that responsibility, but also so do the people like Fauci that were supposed to solely be acting in the public's best interest and not in preserving their own... Mm -hmm. Um, lack of accountability. And it appears that that was a major conflict of interest. 
and that as a result of that, questions that should have been asked weren't. And if they were being asked, they were not being asked for public consumption. That's basically the gist, folks. Absolutely. And there, yes, there needs to be a lot of accountability to it. There, there does. Uh, but, and I agree with you, Dave, that we're, we're finding things out even now as to why uh, this, this was going on with Fauci. And it's still and just a theory as yeah. far as... Is like it hasn't been confirmed yet, but there is a hell of a lot of smoke to not be any fire to where even even Fauci himself is now trying to say, like, well, I am open to that possibility. You're right. He's saying I still, you know, and but he had emails, I believe as early as January, from people telling him this does not have the characteristics of something that was made in nature. Right. Absolutely. Meanwhile, at the same time, he was going on television and saying 100% my professional scientific opinion, following the science, this could not possibly have been man-made. That simply was not true. Well, the you know, the the liberal media love Fauci. They fucking yep. loved him. Uh, they just did. And I mean, the, the thing is, I think that Fauci did a lot of good shit too, as far yeah. as getting people up on the fucking horse of wearing masks and Getting the goddamn, you know, shots, the vax, the this he is still a big knows deal. more about it than I do. Fuck yes, he does. <laughs> Absolutely he fucking does. So no, I don't think the the man's a complete fucking demon, but at the people same time. People are rarely one thing. <clears throat> Their people are complicated. That's right. There's things they do right and there's things they don't do right. But I think in this case, and I didn't mean to cut you off, Jason, but it's what I do enjoy doing. Um, Fauci had a conflict of interest, and I think it became very problematic for him personally. And still is. It still is. But also the thing is that just from the interest that I have from the whole fucking thing, shit, well, you know, let's war game it and pretend Fauci said, hey, let's make this goddamn virus. Ha ha, just for shits and giggles. Whatever the fuck they want to do, what I just find very, very fucking interesting, and I think a lot of the dozens out there do too, is it's just the fucking hypocrisy that runs amok in media, uh, particularly with the liberal media now, that this is something they, and I'm watching news articles, Dave, that do not reference Fauci's emails because they're still, they're still protecting Fauci even now, a lot of these news groups, but they are well, willing, I, they are willing to speak about the possibility now that this fucking virus happened in the lab in Wuhan, which that was not even anything they were willing to even put up with, broadcast, talk about, investigate, report on at all last year. Well, another, I'll give you another example of that is during the election cycle, that whole, I mean, and don't get me wrong, it was a sleazy story. But the whole thing with the Hunter Biden laptop and, you know, stuff that was found on it or whatever, like there were legitimate news sources that had their shit pulled from Twitter for sharing like articles about it. Yeah. And I mean, I still think, yeah, it's a sleazy story, but I, that still has not been really firmly discounted. And for all of the talk of, oh, it was Russian propaganda, there has not been any evidence to back that up. That has been a convenient talking point, but... We, and again, we can talk about how relevant that was or wasn't to the election. Absolutely. But the fact that uh, people that were trying to share what was a legitimate 
question or story at that time and having their shit just deleted off of the internet as a result of it, I think that absolutely shows a double standard on the media standpoint. And, and conservative media has always been the same as well. Both, I mean, that no one's hands are clean on this. No. Except for ours, Jason. We're cool. But, uh... I, I, by the way, <laughs> I absolutely fucking agree with you. There's a reason we don't have any fucking sponsorship or anything for this because we are not going to be controlled with what we fucking say. And that's... It's also because no one will pay us that no one would want us selling gardening <laughs> equipment after we say the things we fucking do but well the, look what 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 has been said from the what what i have said from the beginning even when we were first initially talking about where the virus may have come from is i believe at the time i was saying like if if, if fauci or the experts are saying it came from a bat i'll go with it from a bat because what the fuck do i know however um i've always strenuously disagreed with the this concept of the, the Chinese government released it on purpose. There is absolutely no benefit to China or to anybody like involved in this to have purposely leaked the virus out. I have no doubt on that. If, you know, uh, like to the because I, I have heard people very strenuously say, I think, you know, the government released it themselves, meaning the Chinese government. There's there's absolutely no benefit to them. I don't think they would have had an ethical dilemma about doing so if it did benefit them, unfortunately. I don't even know necessarily if our own government would have a an ethical dilemma in a lot of cases. I mean, shit, we dropped nukes in fucking Nevada, for Christ's sakes. But um, there, I do not believe for a second that this virus got out intentionally as far as, you know, like an actual conspiracy of a government action or something to where this was this was released to, to accomplish some end, whether it be funding or whatever the fuck. I don't think that's the case. It's conceivable that, like, one person decided to burn the world down or something that worked at the lab. I mean, who knows? I, no, no one knows how it got out yet. But if it came from the laboratory, I do believe very genuinely, and I think the evidence will back this up, that it was an accidental leak or in the very least not a systemic one well i mean i'm i'm very proud of you for having that kind of stance i don't um i look at it like sort of agnostic on the whole fucking thing where i don't know do it, it, it the guts of jason bailey when when you know i'm i'm investigating you know inside me and really fucking thinking about this stuff um and going inside my my matrix okay I can tell you for a fact that I feel very strongly it came from this lab. That's just how That's I feel. That's my guess at this point, too. Yeah. <clears throat> um, but no, I, I don't have your same convictions that the government wasn't behind it or that Motive. a government official wasn't behind The Chinese government wasn't behind it. I sure, also but- could think that it, you're right. An individual could be like, yeah, this is going to be interesting. Let's see what the fuck happens here. Release That's this That's entirely bat. possible. But- um, there, there could be something like that. But no. I'm not totally against the idea that there was some, you know, Chinese government Thanos that snapped his finger and let's see how many live past this motherfucking thing. Because, you know, in chaos, uh, you know, there's a lot of opportunity that is presented. So I'm, I'm, I don't know about that. I couldn't tell you what the motivation was or if there even was a fucking motivation, but I can tell you that, you know, Inside my fucking scrotum, I feel very strongly it came from that goddamn lab. Yes, I do. I think that's where the evidence is pointing at this point. Like, it, it wouldn't be a thing. If, it's a, if this were a criminal trial, you would still say that that evidence is, is very highly circumstantial, but it's still very highly persuasive. Um, so would it be enough to, say, get a quote-unquote conviction in a U.S. court of law? 
Possibly not, but certainly enough to fucking get a bigger investigation or make an arrest, quote unquote, you know, using this analogy. Um, so no, if I had to, if I had to put money down on the table right now, I, I think the evidence is certainly right now indicating that it came from the laboratory. Again, no idea whether it could have been just from a sole individual who decided to do something stupid or whatever. Like that's always impossible to predict when it comes to an individual from a Chinese, from a Chinese government standpoint, I just don't see how it benefits them in any kind of conceivable way. And especially when they went through such great lengths to try to even cover up the fact that it even existed. Um, you know, if it had leaked in another country, maybe, but, uh, uh, releasing it purposely inside their own borders, I, I don't see any cognizant, uh, advantage or strategic thought to that. And the Chinese government, if nothing else has been pretty disciplined in, uh, in how they've operated over the last, over the last few decades for better and for worse, mm -hmm. mostly for worse. Yeah. Well, I think that's where we, we probably are going to leave it. Um, the, the conversation is fascinating, and there might be more to come uh, where we, we speak on this even, even further as it, as it develops. But um, thank you for you know, bringing this to our attention, Dozens, because a lot of you in different ways, some of you just want us to talk about where do we believe you know, the origin of cotton candy came from. But what really intrigued me more than anything is recently when people started talking about how do you feel about the American media coverage now that Donald Trump is no longer the president. And um, I thought that was just fucking great because it's a whole nother issue. It's it's how big time issues, maybe the 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 most defining issue of our time uh, on this planet Earth has been politicized and through the, the scope of media and that media, depending on which side of the pendulum, the political pendulum they were swinging on, how you got that information. And it's just, it's fascinating to me. It's disheartening as fuck that this is what we have to talk about uh, because it's just bullshit. Where do you get your facts other than <laughs> Dave Baudry and Chase and Bailey? But um, it's, it's fascinating. And uh, we love discussing these kind of uh, topics that live in the gray. So thank you very much for bringing that to our attention. Well, also, as, as much as we can have um, civil disagreements, Mr. Bailey, there is one thing that everyone can absolutely agree on. Do you know what that is? Batman's fucking awesome. Possibly, but also that Batman, goddammit, did not go down on Catwoman. Because heroes apparently, quote unquote, don't do that. Oh my God. Who knew? So childhood is dead, Jason. I don't know if you knew that. Well, I guess I do now. I always thought that, right. that, that Batman was a cunning linguist. I really did. So let's, let's talk about uh, Batman apparently being a very selfish lover. And uh, for people who have no idea what the fuck we're talking about, we have not jumped to the shark or at least... Not, not yet. Uh, the night is young, but, um, so there is an animated series that started on the, the DC streaming app when that was a thing. And now it's on HBO max. It's had two seasons already. Third season's going to be HBO Max original, no release date as of now that I'm aware of. Now I have not seen the Harley Quinn animated series. Um, so I, I can't really talk much about what that content entails. I've heard it's very good. I've heard it is very mature, deals with a lot of things that you wouldn't see on Saturday morning cartoons. However, one of the, the showrunners, um, has said publicly that one thing that DC put the kibosh on, and I'm not sure if it was in the pre-existing season. I think it was something they were going to do for season three, I believe 
was they had a scene scripted where Batman, uh, in a sexual relationship with Catwoman, uh, was giving her oral pleasure, and DC was like, no, absolutely not. You are, quote unquote, heroes don't do that, which I think is hilarious. Like, of all the, that's, that's, that's an interesting stance to debate, but regardless, um, regardless of the married lives of the DC executives, uh, my question is this, and I don't know if either one of us can necessarily answer this, Jason, but perhaps some of the dozens could help fill us in. Um, as I said, I've not seen the Harley Quinn animated series. I don't know how sexual their content has been in the past. If they just had a, but I'm assuming for them to put Batman going to town on Catwoman, I'm assuming this is a general area of subject matter that they have at least touched on, no pun intended, before in regards to sexual content. If the show has been comfortable, say, depicting blowjobs or depicting sexual intercourse or depic depicting, you know, um, more traditional, you know, missionary style sex or whatever the hell in their show, then I think it is incredibly, an incredibly duplicitous, I don't know if that's the right word, but double standard and quite frankly, bullshit that this would be where that line gets drawn. If their stance has been to not really explicitly show sexual content at all, then that's fair. And that's their own, you know, at, le at least my question is, is your standard consistent? It's sounding to me like that answer is no, but I can't say having not seen the show. Your thoughts. Well, I have seen the show. I've, I saw a couple of episodes of it and not to sound like Bret Hart talking about the attitude era, I just don't You're about watch. to go four out of ten, aren't you? I just it's it's a four out of ten. It, it, it's it's really not what I watch superhero characters for or even super villains. So But were I, they fucking Jason? Yes, yes, they were. And they, but and there's also a lot of, you know, double entendres and innuendos and it's it's very I guess you could call it adult. I just it's one step away from Hente half the time. Uh and Hente's fucking great. And I watch Hente for Hente. I don't watch fucking, you know, literally Batman for 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 getting my rocks off. And the deal is this, like I know it's a you know, we're kind of bringing it up because it's an absurd topic about shit we love. You know, like I think it's Batman. actually pretty interesting from a media coverage it is, perspective. It is, but, but if I could just you know, if Absolutely. we could just be fucking serious for a second, goddamn, will Dave, you stop? You're just so immature all the time, Bobby. Anyway, um, the issue is that I don't like the show. I think, like so many people, are like golf clapping the fucking show, and I'm just like, why? Well, did you see what they did with the ha ha? She's having sex and she's doing this and blah blah blah. And I'll tell you what the biggest fucking sin is. They actually depict Bane as a fucked up version of the Bane that, you know, my, my male crush Tom Hardy played and they're, they're making fun of him in it. And that's just goddamn bullshit. That whole fucking thing. But at any rate, I just don't watch this fucking show or would want to watch any comic. Like I wouldn't want to watch, you know, Hulk after hours where Hulk's fucking, you know, whoever the fuck she Hulk or whatever the fuck he's doing. It's just not what I am into superheroes for. Let me ask you this. <clears throat> yes. um, having seen the show and the adult content contained therein, if, if using what you have seen in the show, yeah. if that is the standard, 
Yeah. And then someone came to you and said, based off of what the show has done before, we want to do this scene with, with Batman and yeah. Catwoman. Would you think that was out of bounds? No, not at all. But I mean, let me get back to this before you interrupt me for the 18th fucking time. Is, I'll try. Is one of those deals where, uh, yes, I agree with everyone who's like flabbergasted that they're not showing Batman, you know, sucking on Catwoman's cunt. I mean, it's just one of those things where if that's what you want, you want to eat the box, Batman, go eat the box, Batman. I don't have a fucking problem with it. That's why it's his just, mask doesn't have a faceplate. That's the whole reason you designed that mask that way. Otherwise, you'd look like Black Panther. But the, the, the deal is that I just absolutely, the whole fucking show to me is ridiculous. And I think, I honestly, I think I, I am not with most of the fans out there that are my age. They're like, well, it's something new and exciting and funny and ha, ha, ha. I just think it's bullshit. I really do. And it's, it's, it's one of those things where I even take it down a notch uh, lower than that. <clears throat> because you're right. The fucking standard is, it's fucking stupid. That's, that, I agree with you and we could have wrapped up the conversation right then, okay? But like, okay, they came out with a lot of what uh, Warner Brothers has done, uh, Warner Animation, uh, the WB, whatever the fuck you want to call it, is they've taken the best uh, Batman graphic novels, trade paperbacks, story arcs, whatever the fuck you want to call them, of all time, and they've turned them into animated movies, okay? They've done it with year one, Dark Knight Returns, Hush, all of it. Well, Long they, Halloween. The long Halloween. Okay, well, they did the killing joke, okay? And the killing joke is one of, one of a billion of Alan Moore's masterpieces, and certainly it's one of the greatest Batman uh, stories ever told. Okay, so they make that into a fucking animated movie, all right? And a lot of people say, I loved it. It's so good. I loved it so much. And all this bullshit that I have to hear fucking fanboys say. The beginning of it is completely changed. It's A, the story is invented. I don't know who wrote it. I mean, maybe even Paul Dini wrote it. I don't know who the fuck wrote it because I didn't look. But it's completely made up and it's not part of the actual graphic novel that's a masterpiece, okay? That's uh, not in dispute. That's not in dispute at all. As a matter of fact, Tim Burton wanted to direct a Batman film based off the killing joke. That's what made him decide to start looking into the Michael Keaton Batman. Okay. So at the beginning of it, they really explore the relationship between Barbara Gordon, Batgirl, and Batman, her mentor. Okay, and it's uh, they they explore it, and there's some you know they explore the movie or the graphic novel, not the graphic novel, the movie. Okay, the movie. The movie. Forgive me. That, okay. So the animated movie and this made up bit that they wrote for the movie. Yes. Explores. Okay this relationship. And I think the idea behind it, cause I don't want to give too many spoilers away was so that the impact of what happens to Batgirl later on in the, the, the story. Okay. Both the, both the animated and the graphic novel really means something when it happens to Batman. Like it's a big, this is a big deal. This is, this is a huge deal that needs to be fucking. It's the reason she became Oracle. Let's put it that way. Okay. And and the situation at the beginning, it, first of all, the story's not that good. Really blows chunks. The dialogue fucking sucks. I'll throw that out there. And I've then, heard nothing but bad things about it. And then, and then they actually, I'm sorry, I have to say, because we're talking about, they have sex on a rooftop. 
Barbara Gordon and Batman, they have sex. I mean, it's, it's, they start, they show it at the beginning when the clothes start coming off, blah, blah, blah. Then the next day. But did he go down on her? I, not in this one, but she was doing, uh, <laughs> she, she wasn't doing reverse cowgirl, but she was riding him. So the deal is that the next day she's talking to her gay buddy, fellow librarian person, uh, and, this, they're talking about the guy she was with last night and she's she's using Batman in code. She calls him her yoga instructor and God knows what poses they were doing. Uh, maybe downward dog, not really sure. But the thing is that that whole thing, when I watched it, was like, oh, get the fuck out of here. You did not need to have any sexual relationship between these two characters that they never showed when the graphic novel came out in what? 87 88 but now, it was never even implied in the graphic was, novel was it, it there, like it wasn't a thing was it there was a there's always been a thing where barbara gordon has looked up to bruce wayne or batman and been like you know everything she wanted to be and blah 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 and there was always this you know there was this thing where if she was a little older he was a little younger it wasn't that mentor student relationship maybe kind of thing okay but there was it was never never a we're gonna fucking fuck this is gonna be a good time tonight <laughs> and they do straight up i mean it's there and a lot of people were sort of like what the fuck that that yeah. happened because the story is so fucking powerful you never needed that scene you it actually never distracted from yes the the actual um what's the word i'm looking at? the inciting incident yes of the of the killing joke it actually that whole beginning from my own i haven't seen the movie but i've read reviews on it i know exactly what scenes you're referencing i'm familiar with the original story um from the graphic novel um and I mean, the, the, the dominant narrative coming out of it was that that distracted from the entire inciting incident and everything that came after it. it uh, it's absolutely the truth. So when I tell you and I'm trying, you know, because the double standard thing, you're absolutely right, Dave. It's a double standard. And everyone who's commented on YouTube and social media, you're all right. If you know, if Harley Quinn's going to be a slut you know, Batman can fucking go down on Catwoman. No big deal. Um, I just, the whole thing, it doesn't disgust me where I'm like, oh, my Puritan heart. If you've listened to me, you know I don't have one. But I thought you were Mormon, Jason. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but the issue is that it's just something that I personally don't need in my fucking comic books or in my comic fair. It's, it's like when... I swear, it's like when Bret Hart was on there and he goes, you know, the product has become sexualized. It's very sexual. And, you know, I don't watch it for that. And I don't know if people watch it for that at all. Kids definitely shouldn't be watching it. And I agree, like I'm sort of become the Bret Hart from the Attitude Era of talking about comic books where it's okay to have a little, they kind of hooked up, you know, Italian Bruce Wayne got this thing in the fucking blah, blah, blah. And that's good. There's nothing wrong with that. That's of course, storytelling, but to just flat out fucking show, you know, sex period, or to have it be the dominant funny part of your show involving superheroes and supervillains. To me, it's just like, oh, I guess, uh, I guess the comic books industry finally found their attitude era. And 
Maybe it appeals to, to the kid. When, when the Attitude Era came out, I think at a certain point we were in our college years, you're in your 20s, this is fucking great. But I can look back at that shit now and look at half the stuff and go, oh, that's fucking demeaning. That's fucking stupid. That wasn't I, I, needed. The and sexual it, stuff in the Attitude Era, I, even back then, I thought was kind of embarrassing. Yeah, it's embarrassing for the product and it's embarrassing in general. And the thing is, watching this, that they have stooped to making Harley Quinn, which is a fantastic fucking character. Thank Thank you, Paul Dini. Pride doesn't make a goddamn dime off the creation of that character. Um, you just, I don't know who in their right minds. It's like, again, in, in Wrestling with Shadows where, where Bret Hart's in the back of a limo. He's going, so what are they doing? Sit around in meetings and go, hey, I've got an idea for a storyline. Uh, let's have Sean show his ass. Yeah, that's good. I mean, that's what I feel. It's like a bunch of uh, uh, cartoon comic book lovers got together and said, I've always wanted to see this person, this person fuck. Wouldn't it be great if she was a lesbian? That would be fucking great. Let's just do that. Let's, and it's just, you know, dick and fart jokes. And you're like, um, okay, I guess there's a niche market for that, but I just don't have anything good to say about it. I'll make a I'll make another movie analogy. Have you ever seen the documentary, Jason? Um, this film is not yet rated. I have. Hold on. What? Tell me. Start telling me what it's about. Is it about the ratings board? Yes, I have seen it. Yes, I've, I saw the whole thing. Absolutely. Direct directed by Kirby Dick, yeah. and it talks a lot about um, obviously the double standards that exist and how films are rated, right. where those ratings come from, the <laughs> the ultra religious people that are very much uh, pulling the strings of influence there that also like run major studios and whole whole thing. It's I highly recommend the documentary. It's, it it's is very good. very good. But there's there's a thing specifically. I I want to say it was the movie The Cooler. I think, but it was uh, Maria Bella was in it and she was direct she was interviewed for the documentary and there was a scene i where i believe in that particular movie and i haven't seen the film in question so that's why i think it was the cooler if i'm remembering from the documentary properly but in the original cut of the film a character is going down on her and that was like the ratings board was like we'll give that a, a an NC17 if that stays in the and if that stays in the film meanwhile you've got like you know basic instinct the R, I mean, there was an NC-17 cut of it, but in general, Basic Instinct that got released into major theaters that showed all kinds of major sexualized content and violence and, you know, ice picks through the chest and shit. No problem there, but the female orgasm is too much, and what about the children? Like, I really don't think we've changed that much. That documentary has been out since... A long time. Early 2000s, I think. Yeah. So it's been, like, almost, you know, tw over 20 years, maybe. I really don't think those standards have changed since then. The double standards. And that, that bothers me significantly because, and again, I'm, I'm all for, like, violence in, in entertainment or in media doesn't bother me. Sexual content in, in media doesn't. I think there's a time and a place for everything. Like, obviously, I wouldn't throw it on Sesame Street at, like, noon. But, um, but I definitely think that sexual content, specifically from the female perspective gets censored a hell of a lot more than both a violence and B sexualization from a male perspective. Yeah. And I think that's problematic. And I think <laughs> this is the most recent example of it, given what you've, what you've said and what my understanding was that sexual content in the show previously has not been a problem, but this is where that line is going to be drawn and we can't have that. I think that's uh, worthy of discussion. Absolutely. And I mean, the thing, the, the short of it is the short answer is, yeah, there's a fucking double standard. Absolutely. Um, 
I, you know, speaking about just the sensitivities of ratings and, and how we like the censorship, kind of the censorship of a, of any scene, uh, in movies and particularly in American movies is that we don't seem to, and it's been commented on a million times before we, we honestly, as Americans don't seem to have a fucking problem with violence. We don't. Nope. But nope, we sure none. as hell have a big old problem with sexuality. And yep. I remember Kike telling me when he came over from Spain, he goes, it's like fucking opposite from Europe. He goes, you yeah. can watch so many films where you see a fully naked woman or a fully naked man. You see his penis, you see this dick and balls, you see the whole thing. And it's like, yeah, well, maybe we could give it an R, but that's the human body. I mean, and they're, you know, functioning in a way that created another human body. So, you know, it is what it is. But th- what they really are like, that's too violent. We're showing people you know, die and this Beheading is, this should be, yeah, and, yeah. we need to calm down that. In America, it's the exact fucking opposite. And he's the one that brought this to me, I mean, decades ago, fucking decades, yeah. where he's like, you guys are fucking backwards. He goes, you can have the most violent shit happening on the screen. Maybe gets an R rating. You show one guy's dick in C-17. You show someone licking out a pussy in C-17. You show the hair of a pussy in C-17. Or at the time, in C-17. That was what it was, was too. Is, is pubic hair yeah. could not be seen pubic from Maria Bello. And you're just like, pubic hair? What the fuck? We are completely, you know bass backwards here we don't even know how to fucking do it so at any rate it's weird it's always been a double standard and honestly it's it's you know it's sort of up to the parental guardianship of the humans out there that they're they're being the guardians of to say yeah you can watch that that's not a big deal you don't need to be watching that uh but just from my take is there a double standard yes once again you could that's one of an umpteenth like fucking Thousands and thousands that you could point from examples of there's a double standard between the male and the female sexuality being depicted here on the screen. But also, A, it's odd that we are so fanatically, you know, rating sexuality versus violence. And then final and just the Jason soapbox is, I just don't care how old man Bailey this sounds. They're just, I don't see the necessity to have these characters be in these predicaments. If you want to make satire characters of these characters, you know, butt fucking or whatever the hell you want to do. Cool. I just don't see where this is needed in the DC universe of, of comics characters. And where can the dozens give us their opinion on the show or this general subject? You can always contact us Paris at this little known email address known as, Ask Dave and Jason at Excite.com because, well, god damn it, hint stimulating. All right, last subject of the week, so then we can go home. Uh, Dynamite Kid was the subject of the most recent Dark Side of the Ring. Last week, we talked about the Grizzly Smith, Jake Roberts family. Um, and it's kind of the most we've covered, we've given Dark Side of the Ring since the, the third season started airing. Uh, they've they've done a lot of really phenomenal episodes. I highly recommend you watch any and all of them that you can find, uh, dozens out there. But they most recently talked about the Dynamite Kid, Tom Billington. A um, lot of things to, to break down. To, to put it very simply, Billington was two things simultaneously. 
incredibly state-of-the-art from a professional wrestler, helped shape the business and what the business would be from an athletic standpoint moving forward, paved the way for people like Bret Hart, along with Tiger Mask. It was uh, Dynamite and Tiger Mask in Japan that had some of the most influential matches ever as far as shaping what was viewed as possible or what was viewed as desirable from an entertainment standpoint inside of the ring. Uh, That is absolutely true. What is also absolutely true is what an absolute horrific fucking human being that he, the documentary kind of tries to, to make the case that it really was after his back blew out that he really became this kind of miserable bastard. And maybe that's true from like, I can't speak obviously to the domestic issues, but he always sounds like he was just an absolute miserable prick. And um, so let's let's talk about Dynamite Kid, Jason. What are your memories, thoughts on him? Um, I know you've seen at least part of the documentary. Where are you in regards to uh, Kid Dynamite? Well, the Dynamite Kid is, is all those things that you you said. Um, and as a, I as a child watching pro wrestling like i said about the jake roberts character you only know what you're fucking presented they're method acting it the whole way through they're living their gimmick they're kayfabing the whole deal and i just remember being mesmerized by the british bulldogs and i didn't know a fucking thing about stampede wrestling i didn't know anything i just knew what i was being presented as this is a premier tag team here in the wwf and they were for those for those who don't know, British Bulldogs were a tag team with Davy Boy Smith and the Dynamite Kid. Together, they were the British Bulldogs. Later in Davy Boy Smith's career, he would take that name as a single and be, become the British Bulldog, which became a legal dispute between the two of them, but that's a whole separate thing. So, so for those that don't know, Dynamite Kid, Davy Boy Smith, British Bulldogs, tag team champions in WWF. And they were fantastic tag team champions. It wasn't just like, well... Let's just put the belts on these guys because, you know, they got a catchy name and blah, blah, blah. Uh, They did give them the gimmick, obviously, with Matilda the Bulldog and things of this nature. But I remember as a child watching Dynamite Kid and like everybody else is being like, what the fuck is this? He just seemed like he defied gravity itself, that he was bouncing around that ring in in many ways that you would not see his style for decades to come. And and when I first started seeing it again, it was really watching Lucha Libre mass, uh, matches. It wasn't even watching American matches. So just watching what he did, the way he used the ropes, the way he used acrobatics, really, in conjunction with wrestling, uh, was absolutely fantastic. And they were a phenomenal fucking tag team. I didn't know a goddamn thing other than they were amazing. And they were my favorite tag team for a while until I really got behind the uh, the Hart Foundation and who knew that they were fucked from stampede wrestling too as the years went on and i you know i read more and more behind the scenes and uh all being an ultra mark that i i became and i found out the whole history behind uh tommy here is that uh he he came over from england he was working for Stu hart and he brought his style in to stampede wrestling up in calgary and everybody up there took note real fucking quick, including Bret Hart and then Owen Hart as well. And they they respected him. They looked up to him and were like, my God, I wish we were as good as 
this guy. And for a long time, all Bret Hart ever wanted to do was stay in a match with him long enough that he could say, I participated and gave my all and seemed to be worthy of being in the ring, you know, with, with Dynamite Kid. And he did. But that was his first test is to, to be as good as him. And then all these years later, well, not all these years, but about five, six years later, they absolutely dominated the tag team division in the WWF. And they were, no matter what you say about the gimmicks or the storylines, as far as in-ring action, those teams were having the best matches. And it was sort of all inspired by Dynamite Kid. And years and- later, watching all of these undersized wrestlers, I... Chris Benoit. Chris Benoit. Basically, Chris look, Jericho, Eddie Guerrero. Look at look at you know Dynamite Kid as their absolute inspiration. Going, you can be short, you can be small, you can be undersized, and you can still make it in this fucking industry as long as you've got the right look, a, and you know how to fucking go. B, you really know how to fucking wrestle, and you're gonna have to wrestle twice as hard as the Dinosaur Giants, but you can fucking make it. Well, part of that whole thing was, yes, Dynamite Kid was fantastic, but without the steroids and without the whole gimmick of being the toughest little guy around, you know, he wouldn't have really stood out. Not in the WWF. They were not accepting at the time anyone that didn't look like a fucking action figure, particularly if you were five foot nothing. He well, roided that's what himself he was. up to about 230. And that's crazy at his and stature. And his, his- his frame naturally, he probably was at his best still in Stampede when he he might have been around like 185. Maybe. And I mean that's that's generous. So the the thing is to see how much steroids took an impact. And then later on, you know, we have already talked about this gentleman quite a bit, Chris Benoit, have seen what a combination of steroids and then multiple, multiple concussions because you decide you're going to do things with your body in that wrestling ring that other people don't do just so you stand out and make it in the land of giants. How bizarrely parallel a lot of their behind the scenes stuff started to happen and watching, you know, I maybe look at Chris Benoit and think that there is a case to be made that, a lot of the terrible things and certainly the way his life ended and the, the way he ended other people's lives and his family could be attributed to multiple concussions. Okay. 100%. With, I don't think there's a doubt with, with, you know, dynamite kid, he was already seemed like a complete fucking asshole anyway. And this, the concussions, the damage to his body and the Uber amounts of steroids. And I'm talking, we're talking fucking superstar Billy Graham levels of goddamn steroids inside. He was injecting horse steroids at one oh, point as well. Equipose is a fucking horse steroid. It absolutely is. So the deal is that what he started to do and how he came unraveled and how he abused his wife, and, and abused the people around him and was generally just a very um, aggressive, psychotic human being outside of the, the, the squared circle. You know, it's, it's amazing to see his life inspired other people that, you know, I mean, look at even Eddie Guerrero, who is an, um, maybe, you know, some people think he's the best wrestler of all time with in-ring work. Also pumped huge amounts of steroids and took huge liberties with his body and looked up to fucking dynamite kid as if you're small, this is how you get this, this done. A couple crazy things too, about uh dynamite's life that I thought were interesting. Cause he's, you know, he died several years ago. Uh, one, he uh, died on his 60th birthday, um, which I thought was interesting. And then uh, 
Now, Dynamite had had so many back issues and so many physical injuries that he would just work through and medicate through and steroid through and whatever. Ironically, and I'm sure you've seen this clip, Jason. They showed it in the documentary, but I'm not sure. You probably have seen it before anyway. When his back finally just snapped and just gave out, did you see the most basic of things that he did that finally was just the straw that, no pun intended, broke the camel's back? What was it? Uh, so it was a house show, but it's on video. You can find it on YouTube. It's horrible. He's in the ring with Morocco tag match and, uh, Morocco drops down and then dynamite jumps, hops over him and is going to go do a bounce off the other rope. And then whoever the, the tag partner was, is going to put his knee up to like knee dynamite in the back. You know, the, that old thing he hops over dude. And as soon as he does, his discs just explode. He barely makes it into the ropes. When the other guy's got his knee up, I don't even think he really even made contact, and Dynamite just drops, and he cannot even move. Um, They were still tag champs at that point. So, like, he had major back surgery to remove several discs that had exploded in his spine, and then Vince had a car come get him from the hospital. They wheelchaired him to the arena, Put him in uh, out to the ring, and they wanted. I think they. I think they wanted him to drop the belts to the Rougeos, but Dynamite said, "No, I'm not doing that unless we drop it to the Hearts. I will drop the belt to Brett and to um, Jim, uh, to Nightheart. Yeah, but I'm I'm not going to drop it to anybody but them." So Vince caved on that. They went and they got him from the hospital. The dude could barely even walk. They wheeled him out to the ring. And then they did a bit when the TV camera started rolling where Jimmy Hart like hit him from behind with the the megaphone. So Dynamite just fell down and just got to stay out there laying on the floor. And then Davey wrestled the whole match and then got pinned. And that's how they dropped the belts. And then he got, you know, was driven back to his friend's house and he just slept on the floor because he couldn't even fucking move. And that, I always think of that when Brett in Wrestling with Shadows talks about how Vince had always had a mentality of treating his wrestlers like circus animals. Absolutely. And I do think that is absolutely an example of that. Um, now, he continued to wrestle um, until 1991 and then he retired full-time. He had a couple of appearances after that in Japan. He tried to make a comeback match in, I forget if it was 93 or 96. I think it was 93 with uh, Michinoku Pro. Have you seen the footage of that? No, I haven't. He was skin and bones, man. Like you can see well, it on YouTube I've and there's seen, photos and stuff. I've seen when he was in his wheelchair and when he lived, you know, back in England. And I've, this I is saw when he had tr- And he looked This is when he had, tr- this is when he had trunks on. It was his last ever wrestling match. He hadn't wrestled in like three or four years. And it was for uh, Michinoku Pro and Tiger Mask was in it. They were doing a six-man tag with like the great high flyers of history or something. And I mean, he looked like, I mean, uh, a midget wrestler. Um, And just such an, and he could barely move. And then apparently the next day he had a seizure uh, that put him back in the hospital. And, you know, that was the last time he was ever in the ring. And then not too long after that, he had too much scar tissue on his spine. They couldn't operate anymore. And and he ended up in a wheelchair yeah. for the rest of his life, just drinking himself to death. Yeah. So, um, you know, there are other stories to look out for in that documentary. Um, he cheap shot at Jacques Rougeau yep. because he believed that Jacques had pulled a rib on him that Jacques had nothing to do with and had no knowledge of. Um, and he beat the shit out of him from behind. So Jacques, not one to be fucked with and also really just from a 
personal standpoint, you know, needed to, to get that back. So he loaded up a roll of quarters and he just popped out four of Dynamite's teeth. Yeah. And apparently that Dynamite was never the same person after that. And even Dynamite's ex was like, even with what he did, I don't think he deserved that. Fuck yes, he did. Yeah, he did. He absolutely deserved oh, that. Oh, yeah. That was, that was justice coming to him. And, um, you know, I think Dynamite's story is a sad one. But it's hard to feel bad for him because all of the things that happened to him were a direct result of choices that he made that had such negative, horrific consequences. On like he held a, a shotgun to his pregnant wife's head, mm-hmm. one point made her sleep in a closet. Like now, at that point, it's conceivable that there were some other concussion, CTE possible issues going on. She had said that that had not been a, a thing with him until the back injury and all of that. I don't know. Um, but regardless, he had shown those real violent tendencies towards other people for his entire life. Yeah. And finally, someone had enough of it, and they took a roll of quarters, and they knocked out four of his teeth, and, and then he got fired from WWF. And yep. uh, that's the story of Dynamite Kids. Well, so, the thing is I mean, it's a, it's a cautionary a, tale. Yeah, it's, it's a good documentary, and, and Vice has been doing great documentary on that dark side of the ring. It's, it's, they're really good, and um, we'll probably cover more in the future. But there's two things I want to give to the dozens on this who a lot of you became, have become fans of wrestling, particularly you know, some of the archives of wrestling that you can just look up on YouTube or Daily Motion or what the fuck have you. Uh, Dynamite Kid, his matches with St- in Stampede, and you can look up Stampede Wrestling Dynamite Kid. They're phenomenal, and you get to see a kid really perform, really. I mean, he's, what, 19, 20, 21, maybe, just doing shit that is fucking phenomenal, even yeah, he now was pretty watching much cri- it, okay? He was pretty much crippled by 40. And the, and the deal is that if you watch that, you're going to see some great shit. You watch the British Bulldogs in WWF, okay, and look that shit up, you're going to see some amazing shit. What's even, And then number two, you're going to see how much that he influenced what came in the future, which is yeah. Chris Benoit. Chris Benoit wanted to be the dynamite kid and holy shit. He became a like 2.0 version, both good and bad, and bad of dynamite kid. Dynamite kid was like this prototype of Chris Benoit and Chris Benoit became this, this dynamite kid clone but was like a Terminator version even more thereof. And I want to show you, I want to tell you something else, guys. I, you know, I don't talk about steroids a lot. We will say it in passing or making fun of people or whatever, you know, let, I want to watch dynamite kid in stampede wrestling. And just a couple years later in the WWF, you will see what steroids can do to the human body. It is so striking. It's unfucking believable what steroids can fucking do to the human body. Just those chemicals. And that's what, contrib- that's what contributed to his back blowing up, yeah. too. When your frame can't hold this shit and you're doing it, you know, completely artificially, it's, it's just fascinating from a scientific, like, point of view let's look what's look what steroids can actually transform your body into anyway that's it it's an interesting story and then look at dynamite again a couple years later 90 i forget if it's 93 or 96 uh but it is on youtube uh his last match in japan at uh michinoku pro and no steroids there Mm -hmm. and look at the difference between it's totally different person yep 
Uh, all right, that's our show this week. Any final thoughts, Jason? No, that's it. But uh, all of y'all, thank you very much for listening. And uh, I'm, you probably know by now, but I'm not sure you really, really, truly know how much uh, your feedback determines what we are going to be speaking back to you. So please keep us informed. We'd love to hear from you. All right. And on that note, I am Dave Beaudry. And I am still your Jason Bailey. And we are one day closer to dead, but that day is not and will not be today. So until next week, we'll see what dumpster fires happen in the next seven days. Bye.